Man, you guys are awesome. I'm going to sit down for a minute. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you leading us. Hey, I want to talk with you guys for a minute. And uh, I appreciate those of you who came. I appreciate all of you. But I appreciate those of you specifically who came. And, and there were several of you who just came to talk with me this afternoon. Just had, you know, it just, everybody who came was genuine. Everyone who came was genuine. Whether it was a parent issue, whether it was something they're struggling with. And they were so authentic. That's so hard. I was talking with, uh, I was talking with a pastor today. I was like, when I go and speak at camp meetings or no matter what size of the church, I mean, you get about 20% involvement, it feels. But when you're at a teen camp, there's such vulnerability. You guys are so communal. And that's so significant. So I appreciate you being open and vulnerable. And I want to just—I want to give you just propose a couple things. We won't be here forever tonight. I have a next door neighbor that I've been witnessing to. I led him to the Lord, but he's—he got to a point where he's just not doing good. He's prejudiced. I live in this—you live in the South. I live in more South. I live in Tennessee. My my wife is not white. She's Hispanic. Come from a crazy ethnic, ethnically diverse family. I've got two kids that are the product of my wife and I. But one of our third kid, I've got legal guardianship of him. He's an African American boy from inner city Nashville. And he's, he's a black kid. He's my son. And my neighbor just hates it. And I was over talking with him before I came here. And I had to go over and clear up this mess because he was talking to my kids about how black people and white people shouldn't get married. <laughs> I'm telling you this for a reason. He's not open to truth. And I come and I open up the scriptures and I show him where Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark, most scholars agree, was not a white guy. He's from North Africa. Jesus was not only Jewish, he was probably more akin to a modern day Arab. He wasn't a white guy. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. When you become a Christian, you give up your ethnic diversity. Period. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color you are. We're the same. I'm serious. I'm from an area of the country where my daughter's not dating a black guy. My son's not dating a black girl. I want my son and my daughter to date somebody who loves Jesus. Do you know what that takes to do that? That takes you laying aside your prejudices 
and saying, I'm going to come back to the scriptures, to the Bible. If you're a Christian, and get it, this, my next door neighbor is at this crossroads. And this is hard for me to tell you this because I get jumped by your parents, which is why I always stay moving. Christianity is not for everybody. It's for everybody. But if you're not open for an opinion that differs with how you feel, Christianity is not for you. Because for the rest of your life, Jesus is going to be pointing into your life saying, you're not evil, you're not bad. I understand. I'm going to reveal to you how you got here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we all grow up with certain amounts of brokenness and bondage. And you're going to find there's things you've started believing as a child. When you get older, you were so sure they were true and they're wrong. My neighbor. He's just so sure that's correct. He didn't realize it comes from prejudice background, parents, area. And he's just not open for any other opinion. Well, that's just what I believe. But he's not willing to come to the scriptures and say, I'm willing for my belief to change. If you're not willing to do that, in an air, any area of your life, you're just, I mean, we want you to stay, we want to love on you, but dude, you, Jesus is not for you, because he's all-inclusive, and he loves you. I, uh, my dad died in 1999, and uh, it was really hard, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize how hard it was until I became a Christian, and I realized that I never, my dad was gone since I was a kid. My dad died as a result of a fist fight. He died, it happened, and then it happened, he died later on from it. But he was an extremely violent man. He, he was very abusive to me and my mom and my sisters. My mom gave birth uh, three months early uh, to my little brother um, with a jaw that was wired shut from abuse. That was my dad. And he met someone on the side of the street that was just tougher than he was. And uh, beat him to death. So I grew up in a fighting family. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're just such a different generation, which is not bad. And I'm glad you don't come from that generation. But I grew up in the generation where, you know, you just have to stand up for yourself. And um, that didn't happen until after high school for a number of reasons. But when I got in the Marine Corps, I, I got big. And... Uh, I had this fighting attitude. I was picked on in high school. I'm a, I matured late. I was a little kid. I was a, this is crazy. I was the littlest kid in my class, five foot seven. <laughs> I sprouted. I grew all the way until I was like 22, 23, 24. I don't know what happened. I was on pause or something. And so I was picked on. So when I got out of high school, I had a sensitive. Now hear me. I had a sensitivity for people getting picked on. I would not stand for it. It was wrong. And so I did all the way from the Marine Corps, all the way. I just fought. And I'm a big guy. And I just, I'd see someone picking on somebody else. I'd just intervene. I'd be like, you know, it's about to be a bad day for you. I was, uh, I was leaving for revival about 15 years ago because I struggled with this injustice and I passed this guy and I wave at him he goes hey because he was an old farmer you know actually I thought he was an old farmer as a young kid and as I went around him he flips me off and I hit my brakes 
and I don't know if it was audible in the car, if it was audible in my head, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, you're going to end up just like your dad. And all my life, I had relied on my size and my toughness to handle these. You're going to pick on somebody, I'm going to. And the Holy Spirit said, you're wrong. That doesn't fix. You've got a hole in you. That there's something I need to fix in you. I meet teens who've been through abuse. They've been in homes where, I mean, all manner of things happen. They're raised in a culture where everything that's being told to you, not everything, but there's a ton that's a lie. It's a lie. And so I hear a lot of the teens, they're not, you're not evil. And some of you have come up to me and said, I've got a friend that's really struggling through this area of their life. We're going to talk about it tomorrow, the whole sexual uh, culture we live in. That it's the language you use. It's the clothing that you're, you're marketed to. It's just you don't have any options. The objectivity of women. All of that stuff. The exploitation of young men. And I, I had the teen come up to me. She's like, I'm, I, how do I witness to my friends? I literally don't know what to say. I don't want to be a bigot. I don't want to be a hater. That's, your generation is unlike any other generation I've ever seen. Listen, I'm almost 50 years old. I've been doing youth ministry for 26 years. I'm telling you. Youth ministry 10 years ago, completely different. What you are facing, if you do not have an encounter with Jesus, I'm telling you, you're not going to make it as a Christian. You just won't make it. You have to be led by the Spirit, which means everything in your life has to be up for grabs. And that's what Jesus did with me. He le- I- I've been there. He led me back to this core issue. Would you be willing to be wrong, Jeremiah? And I was like, but I feel this. So are you going to trust your feelings over me? That's what we're talking about. In fact, the passage we're going to look at tonight, if you want to bring it up, the issue we're going to look at tonight is an issue revolving around truth. I love this. Leah was praying tonight for the service. It was over a verse that I was thinking about looking at with you tonight. It was the very first message I ever preached. It was out of this verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't bring it up. But it was, therefore I urge you in the view of God's mercy to offer your body as a living sacrifice. In other words, how you live every day, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. Then he says this. Don't be conformed to the patterns of that world, but be transformed how you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, you have to think differently. Ben was talking about, what are you hearing from the Spirit? You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I say this to your parents all the time, and just, if you don't know, don't raise your hand. But as anyone here, emphatically, without a doubt, can say, I have been tempted by the enemy. Raise your hand. Hi. So everybody can see it. Did you know that if you've been tempted by the enemy, which is a spirit, and you can hear the the enemy, you can hear the Holy Spirit. You can hear him. You can talk to him. He can lead you and guide you. So that's why we've been talking about the scriptures. They're so key. The Bible, I, don't, I didn't want to confuse you this morning, and I want to give you some background, and we'll talk about it maybe in some other ways, but, dude, it's the standard, and if you come back to the scriptures, 
and it says, listen, this is, remember, what's the scriptures? It's really easy. The scriptures reveal who God is and what we're supposed to look like, period. That's the scriptures. That's what they do. We're going to talk tonight a little bit about the difference between law and faith again. Because I've had some people come to me and say, well, there are certain things in the law that changed. When we come into Jesus. So I wonder what also changes. Well, there's a lot of things that change. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. Remember what I taught this morning? They point to Jesus. They're fulfilled in Jesus. Which means your sexuality is fulfilled in Jesus. What does that mean? He is the one that reveals all of that to you. We're going to look at some passages that talk about that tomorrow morning. And, and the reason I bring up sexuality is it's so crazy, the language we use. I hear teenagers, I heard, I heard, it, I heard it recently. <laughs> teenagers refer to themselves as sexy and hot. Do you, do you know what that, and honestly, do you know what that means? And it's funny because it's your generation, I get it. But to present yourself sexy literally means to present yourself in a way that is sexually appealing. It's like I'm, I'm presenting myself as someone who's sexually desirable. I want people that want to have sex with me. Do you think that's how Jesus views you? That has to change in you. Hey, dude, you can do whatever you want. I'm, you're not my kids, okay? Seriously, you can do whatever you want. Seriously, help yourself. I'll love you. But you're, there's, and there's things that I, my language has changed. He's going to want to change some of your language. Why? Because it's inappropriate. What you think is appropriate is not, in, is not appropriate. The way you talk, some, of, some I, don't know which, I don't know each of you personally, but there's going, to be, there's going to be things going on in you. My son, give you one quick example. My son came to me in, in December. He's 16 years old. He's got a call to ministry. He's a, he's, a, he's a nut. But he comes to me, and he walks in my room, drops his Xbox on my bed with all the games and everything, and he goes, sell it. And I'm like, what in the world, Mr. Reckless Emotional Kid? And he's like, the Lord spoke to me. He goes, that's a waste of time. And as a dad, I'm like, all right, we're going to set it over here so you don't want to go buy another one in six months. And he's like, sell it. God told me that I'm not to be wasting my time with that. And he sold it. Put some of the money in savings, went out and bought a guitar and an amp, and he wants to play for the worship team. And he's, he's just doing, why? Now, is, 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 is gaming bad? Well, how do you define, yeah, it's not bad, but if you just spent eight hours a day, every day gaming. See, how do you, what's bad? It's bad when Jesus says, I don't want that in your life. See, your age group tends to look good and bad based off of law. We talked about that last night, law and legalism. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? It's not about, God convicted me years ago playing basketball. I went to college. Then I want you playing. Basketball bad? How do you interpret bad? If he doesn't want it in your life, it's not his plan for your life. It becomes bad. See, Christianity is about being led. This is so fundamental for your age group. If you don't get this, you miss it. You miss it. So I, I want you to be open. Not just to, to me, but I want you to be open to him and say, Jesus. And you have to be open. And here's one, one last thing before we get started. <laughs> Forgive me. I prayed for you all day while I was crushing it at disc golf. 
you have to be a seeker. It says in the last days that there will be scoffers. That there will be those who are looking for what their itching ears want to hear. I meet some people every once in a while. I meet a lot of people. They don't want to know the truth. They want to do what they want to do. When I first called the ministry, I was desperate to know the truth. I'm not interested in your opinions. I want to know the truth. I want to know you. I had an encounter with you. And I don't care what you want from me, but what, how whatever you say goes. And as a side note, when he called me into ministry, it's a true story, I was so unchurched. When he called me to ministry, I thought it was like going to be a monk. I was like, wow, that's going to suck. Man, be a monk my whole life. Brown robes, terrible haircut. Man, it's going to be horrible. Thank God that's not how it turned out. <laughs> I was like, praise the Lord. But I was open. Are you open? And if you're not, do your thing. But if you're open, I'm telling you, he'll absolutely, utterly, you'll find peace. Seriously, you'll find peace. So let's go through this real quick. I want to give you a little bit of a review. The greatest tool in teaching is repetition. The greatest tool in teaching is repetition. So Paul introduces himself as a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And remember, if you claim to be a Christian, first off, let's say this. If you are a Christian, if you say I'm a Christian, that means you have two people living inside of your body, literally. That sounds really weird. But you do. You have two people living inside of you. You have you and God. And clear this up, it's literally, this is hysterical. I was at a junior high camp a couple years ago, and I explained this. It freaked these junior high boys out on the front row. Because I looked at them and I said, if you, I said, if you're a Christian, you have two people in you, you and Jesus. I mean, they literally, you share the same brain, literally. You share the same eyeballs. I said, whatever you look at, he looks at. And this one junior high boy goes, <gasps> yeah. You know how the Bible says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you? That's it. That I care. Everything you're going through, I understand. He feels it just like you feel it. Think about that. You are never alone. You mean he's living in me? Yeah, literally. We sing these songs like, you're my hands, you're my feet. And as you get older and as you walk with him and learn to listen to your elders, you're going to hear older people that say, I'll be praying and once in a while words will come through my mind. Can I tell you one quick story? This was up in uh, Wichita Falls. Uh, Texas, anybody know where that's at? Okay. I was sitting at this table with the pastor, his wife, um, a ministry student, and his mom and dad. In fact, it was, where are you at, dude? Where are you at? Yeah, it, you were there. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah, you were here for this. I probably shouldn't have used this. But I'm sitting there, and we're all just having lunch after the service. And in a manner of speaking, I heard the Holy Spirit, actually what happened is, I feel it in my body, I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like the Holy Spirit took his finger and stuck it in my ear. I'm dead serious, that sounds weird. And immediately the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I heard it in my head, someone here has ear troubles and I want to heal them. And I was all freaked out, I was like, okay. 
So I waited for the conversation to get down, kind of calm down. And I said, did anybody here have hearing trouble? And the pastor said, yeah. And he's a young guy. He pulls out two hearing aids. I didn't even know he had. He says, I was in the military, and I was damaged my ears, and I can't hardly hear. I have to wear hearing aids. And I said, well, I heard the, I heard the Holy Spirit say he wants to heal you. And I said, let's, I said, can we pray? Everybody's just kind of looking at me. I'm like, what? So I just reached out my hands, and we held hands and prayed. He was healed on the spot, wasn't he? He starts going, my ears are itching. My ears are itching. He called me a week later. He's like, dude, I can't sleep. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I hear everything. <laughs> I talked to him this afternoon. Wouldn't it be something if that was normal behavior for us? If you could hear him. If he could flow through your life. See, the nature of God is about transforming, about speaking, about liberating. That's what he wants to do in your life. Seriously. He wants to bring healing and wholeness. He loves you. He, he lives in your body. So literally, I've had times where like words go through my mind. That I mean, I don't, did he give me a, a wet willy? I know that sounds stupid, but I don't know. I mean... He stuck his finger in my ear. <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. I was like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I, that didn't come from me. If, you have, if you're a Christian, you have two people living inside of you. Jesus. And he wants to speak to you. Now, Paul says, so again, that's sonship. That's son and daughter. If you're a child of God, you have him living inside of you. And his, that means his nature lives inside of you. And you'll learn to hear that nature. You'll learn to hear him. You'll feel the pull. You'll feel conviction. This grieves me, Jeremiah. I don't feel that way. I don't want you to talk like that. I don't talk like that. It's not just right and wrong. Did you know you can say the right thing in the, right, in the wrong way and be wrong? I've heard people say, like, well, I just told them the truth. I'm like, dude, that wasn't Jesus. Because he's compassion. So Paul says, listen, I have that nature. I'm a servant. In other words, I have his nature living in me. And then he says, I'm an apostle, which again, we'll make this short. I'm driven. And I don't like that language. I'm trying to train you. I'm, 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 I have this unction. I have this, com this compelling in my life. He's leading me. I have the same mission as he does. And what's that mission? He says, it's very specific. I come from the faith of God's elect. And let me explain this. Because a couple of you asked questions, and it was really good. You helped me. I've been speaking to parents for the last 10 years. So it's really good that you're helping me. Because I've, do, I've done, anyway, done less youth work. But some of you came to me and said that law and faith thing confused you. Well, again, in the old covenant, it was all about an outside, because God hadn't come to live inside of us yet. So it was all about outside relationship. And so God was separating them from the world, and they had all these, some of you brought up dietary restrictions. Dude, it was worse than that. I mean, you had to go outside the camp on certain kind of things, and people with infections could not go into the presence of the Lord. That changed. And there's spiritual reasons, and I, I need to close that window. The reason infections couldn't go into the presence of the Lord is because in his presence, 
there's only wholeness and healing. Which means that's why God heals today, because he doesn't want that in your life. And when you're operating apart, when you're operating separate from God, those kinds of things are just, that was the Old Testament. So under the law, it was all about don't kill. But remember what we talked about last night, and you can go read this, and, and leaders, bring this up in your group. In Matthew chapters 5 and 6, Jesus will say, you heard it said, do not murder. But Jesus, he's almost like, I don't care about that. I don't want you to hate. What's the difference? God is concerned not just about the outside activity, but why you do it. I go through this with my kids. My son or my daughter will get in an argument, and I'll be like, now you were wrong. Apologize. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, that's authentic. No, it's not authentic. See, God wants not, you, not for you just to do the right thing. He wants you to feel the right way. He wants you to be different. He doesn't want you just to like not do bad things. He wants you to be the right person. My dad never got over his anger. And I had to come to a point in my life where I don't want to be, I don't want anger to dictate how I talk to my neighbor, how I talk to that guy on the freeway, how I talk to my wife, how I discipline my kids. I don't discipline my kids out of anger. I come from a household of screaming. I never want to raise my voice. Why? Because I don't want anger to source me. I want the spirit to source me. I'm telling you, the longer you grow in him, the more that'll be. You'll ex you literally, you, you have to have him leading and guiding you. So the law, you're not governed by the law. In fact, if you read Romans chapter 7, Paul says you died to the law. It doesn't apply to you anymore. How does it not apply? Because he literally, the one who wrote the law, lives inside of me. And he's leading and guiding. So I, he's not concerned that I don't murder or that I don't commit adultery on my wife. I actually, this is a true story. A few weeks ago, I was at a church, and this guy was leaving his wife. He was getting a divorce from his wife. And there was some controversy because he was in leadership in the church. And he was saying, well, I didn't have an affair on my wife, but he'd been dating this girl for like a few months. They were going out, and they were talking and all this stuff. But hey, we never had sex. So I actually didn't cheat on her. Did he cheat on her? It's so crazy. Your generation gets that. Their generation doesn't. Why? Because it's church. It's legalistic. I go to church on Sunday and somehow I'm a Christian. Dude, that's... Please don't let that exist in your generation. Like it has crippled mine. Dude, you're a whole... I, I told this to someone the other day. Uh, I was like, I love your generation. I do. You're the... Let me finish. Don't get offended. You're the come out of the closet generation. <laughs> Seriously. No matter what it looks like, no matter if it's weird, whatever, as long as you're authentic. No faking. Your generation won't allow faking. I think and love it. Because those of you who are Christians are going to be real. You just won't tolerate fakeness. I do. I think your generation is the generation that's going to see the moving of the Spirit and is going to run with it, unlike my generation, who is just content with going to church, dropping a little cash in the offering plate. It's bigger than that. 
Dude, he's bigger than that. So you're not guided by the law. So Paul says, I come, and I'm, I have his nature. I want to help you. And I'm on the mission. And what's the mission? I have the mission that you can live by faith, which means I'm going to believe in you. Whatever you say goes. In fact, what you say about me, I'm going to believe even what I think about myself. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to walk. It, this was transforming for me. I'm not going to behave based off of how you see me. I'm going to behave based off how you see me. I'm not going to get my self-worth and value compared to the other men of the world. I, you know, I'm going to get my, my value from how you see me. That's Christianity. I choose. I choose to let my emotional climate be dictated by you. I'm going to talk to you about something tomorrow. I'm going to mention it real quickly. No, I'm not. It's too good. It takes, it takes a while to talk about it. But I'm not going to get my emotional climate from how you treat me. I'm, gonna get, I'm not going to get my, emo, you know what I mean by emotional climate? I'm not going to get the ups and downs stuff based off of what other people say to me. Because I care what you say about me. That's faith. Do you, you can have him like that. Seriously, you can have him like that. You got to be up for grabs. You got to say, hey, I'm willing. I'm willing for you to correct anything in my life that you want to correct. And that's, some of that's painful because you're going to be like, this is, this is how I feel. I, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. This is who I am. I totally get it. That's why Christianity is called being a new creation. That's why it's about being born again. Remember what he said to Nicodemus? You're going to be born all over again. What does that mean? You're new. You're different. People are going to look at you and say, wow, you're weird. I love Jesus. That's what you're going to say. Maybe not just like that, but you're going to be like, I'm different, man. I'm different. I'm hearing him. And that's the faith of God's elect, which means we literally get into Jesus. Everything that God did in Jesus, he wants to do in your life. Now, here's what I'm going to look with you at tonight, and it won't, be, won't take long. But he not only comes that we might can have faith, which means we can listen. I live based off of him, not just off the law. I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. But it's even more than that. I'm, he's revealing to me how to see you and how to feel about you. I want to become the expression. I want to become the expression of how much he loves you. I want when you encounter me for you to encounter him. That's faith. So he says, I, I come for the faith of God's elect. But he also says, get this, the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So Christianity is about two things. It's about faith and knowledge. Well, what's faith? Faith is I'm hearing from him. I'm walking in relationship with him. He'll stick his finger in my ear from time to time. Words are going to pass through my mind. I'm going to hear his voice. I'll be driving down the road thinking I'm going to run that lady off the road and kill her. And he'll be like, don't. I'll be like, okay, Jesus. Hear you. So I not only have that, but I have the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. There are five different Greek words for knowledge in the New Testament. This is so good. Two of the main ones are gnosis, and that's the transliteration, which means it's the Greek into English letters, G-N-O-S-I-S, 
And then there's, so it's Gnosis and Gnosko. G-I-N-O-S-K-O, for those of you who are taking notes. So there's Gnosis and Gnosko, two different Greek words for knowledge. In fact, these words can be translated, both of them, know, knowledge, or even learn. You say they both can be translated that way? Yeah, because they're different. And I'll explain it. Gnosis is, in fact, I'm going to just ignore this. I'm going to do this here. But Gnosis is basically informational knowledge. Where Gnosko is experience or experiential knowledge. Here's how I di differentiate these. Here's how, here's, here's how they're used in the scriptures. Uh, a couple of years ago, true story, I'm in Texas. This is hysterical. I'm in Texas, and I'm driving my car. I'm this young guy. You know, we didn't have kids yet. So this was way long ago, 2001 or 2002 or something like that. And I actually remember where I was at. I think I was in Tyler, Texas. Anyway, and so I'm driving over this overpass coming back to the church, and there's this cop in the center lane. And I pull up, and I'm, it's, it's all traffic. So I pull up, and we're like almost right beside each other, and I'm sitting in my car, and I wave at him, and he rolls down his window. And I was like, hey, dude. <laughs> He's like, hello. And so we're carrying this conversation on, and we're talking. I'm like going to witness to him and all this. And, and you from here? I said, no. And, you know, at that time we didn't have a house, so I had to explain all that. And it was traffic was backed up, so we had time. And I uh, told him I'm a minister. And he's like, that's so cool, man. Are you preaching at a church? I said, oh, yeah, right up here. He said, I know where it's at. I go to this church. And then he goes, hey, are you wearing your seatbelt? And I went, oh, no, thanks. And I went to put it on. He goes, no, no, pull over. And I was like, I, I thought we were connecting, you know. And like, <laughs> So I pulled over in the middle of the lane, turned on his lights, came over. And he says, can I see your license registration? And I was like, he gave me a ticket. It's a true story. He came back. I was like, you're giving me, you're giving me a ticket. He goes, yeah, you weren't wearing your seatbelt. I was like, I thought we were, I thought we hit it off. I thought we're like, we're friends. You're a Christian. He goes, oh, I love Jesus. You should wear your seatbelt. I was like, I'm not going to pray for you tonight, basically. <laughs> Seriously, I was struggling with bitterness. It was a true deal. So I learned. Oh, I learned. That if you drive without your seatbelt in Texas, you're going to get a $300 seatbelt ticket. Now, there's a couple ways to learn that. I learned it through Gnosko, experience. You just learned it through information. So you're going to go home and your parents are going to go, guess what? We're going down to South Padre Island. And you're going to say, Mom, we need to wear our seatbelts. Why? And you're going to be like, Gnosis. You could throw some Greek at them. So there's all kinds of things. Isn't that cool? Get this. But by the way, both of these terms in the New Testament are used to describe how God's, sometimes he gives us information. He sticks a finger in your ear. And sometimes he wants you to experience the goodness of who he is. I cannot explain to you what freedom looks like. Think about it. I can't. I can't explain to you what it's like to be free. I can't tell you. I, it's hard to explain what is the difference between happiness and joy. They're different. 
joy goes on beyond happiness. Happens, it, it's happenstance. Paul wrote about joy from a prison cell where he was being tortured. Tonight, I would love for you sometime, if you could write it down, go back and read Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in handcuffs. They've been flogged. They've been beaten. They're in stocks, which means they're in an uncomfortable, uncomfortable position. And at midnight, they're praising and singing hymns to God. And the passage says the other prisoners were listening to them. They're amazing. How could they? It's something you can only experience. I want you to know him like that. And it's interesting. Some of you come to me and say, well, you know, what do I need to do to be a Christian? I don't know how to answer that because you're asking me activities. I want to say, well, you could die, which sounds weird, but that's what it means. I die. I die to anything in my life that doesn't look like you. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Do you know Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your... Hold on. Do you mean, Jeremiah, that... What you're talking about is if I want to be free, if I want to be a son of God, if I want to enter into everything he has for me, I have to die to anything he doesn't like. Yes, because he knows what's best. He is joy. He is peace. He is wisdom. He is, he is healing. He, he is. He is heaven. He's the big deal. Now, the reason I told you this is the word for knowledge the word for knowledge in our passage right there, it's the knowledge of the truth, is neither one of these words. And you're going to be like, oh, it's such a waste. Well, hold on. But actually, it's the word, what we're going to put here, it's the word epinosis or epinosis. But so you can write it down, it's epinosis, which is actually the same, Paul uses the words the same, epigenosco. Because this little word epi here is a preposition, which means above. This is so cool. Paul says, put this together. So this is above information. It's above experience. Paul says, I come. And all throughout the New Testament, literally information God gives us about himself. He speaks to us, gives us information about our circumstances. At times we have experience with him. And man, the hair stands up on the back we, uh, of our neck. We experience the goodness of who he is. He tra we have an experience with him. It's wonderful. But Paul says, I come that you may know him beyond information. You can sense his presence. He just rests upon you. You can know, literally, he wants you to know him beyond anything you've ever experienced before. You ever anybody say, dude, you've never experienced anything like this? That's him. He's beyond our experiences. And get this, it's not just him. He wants you to know the truth. To have this knowledge of the truth. In other words, God wants to communicate to you it's truth beyond information. Have you ever just... I want to know really who Jeremiah Bullock is. There's this prophet. When I first got saved, um, I had never read the Bible. I've heard the Bible preached and all that kind of stuff. Knew some basic characters and all that, but I never read it. I also hated the name Jeremiah because when I was a kid, it was an old-fashioned name. 
You know, it'd be like if you were a girl, if you were named like, you know, Olga or something like that, you know. And if you're named Olga, I'm sorry. That's, I didn't know. But it's a lovely name. But I hated the name Jeremiah. Did I? Seriously, I hated it. And, you know, I wanted like a, I wanted a, a manly name, you know, like Kurt. You know, or like Gary. It's a really masculine, you know, masculine name. But I didn't. I was stuck with Jeremiah. So get this. I, uh, I opened up my Bible after I got saved, and there was a book in there with my name on it. I was like, no way. Yeah, take that, Kurt. And so uh, I started reading through the book of Jeremiah. You know what I found out? God comes to Jeremiah, and he says, Jeremiah, you have no idea who you are. You have no idea who you are. Your life has been dominated by your experiences. Do you know how many of you in this room, how many of you in this room are dominated by your experiences? Yeah, this happened to me and I just, this feels so right. You're dominated by the information you get from school. God wants to reveal to you truth that's beyond information and beyond experience. He says to Jeremiah the prophet, before you were born, I knew you. And I appointed you a herald, a proclaimer of truth to this generation. It's so, I, I, my heart breaks for your generation. It really does. Just like it broke for my generation. But in this season, my heart breaks for your generation. Because so many of you are shaped by the experiences you go through. And some of them are just not pretty. You're being shaped by the information that's coming through the TV. It's coming through your apps. It's coming through social media. It's coming through all these stupid causes that are actually lies. You're being shaped by information. What, we're, what, he, what he's been talking about is you're to be shaped. Godliness is being shaped by him. Dude, that is so good. I've never... I've never, almost, that's almost on the spot hearing this. He wants you to be shaped by him. It's beyond experiences. It's beyond, it's beyond information. He wants to reveal to you who you are. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. No matter what mom and dad said. No matter what happened to you. And the, the horrible things in my life God just revealed to me, they don't have to define you. I don't know if you can even identify with this. Who's in here is 15 years old? You may not realize this. Well, actually, who's in here is 14 years old? Raise your hand. I had a, I was from a very, 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 very poor family, and my dad wasn't around, and my mom wasn't around. I had a full-time job going through high school. I didn't realize how broken that was until years later. I'd go to school from 8 to 3, and then I'd go to work at the gas station from 3.30 to 11.30. You'd say, why? Because if I didn't, I wouldn't eat. It was, I was an adult by the age of 15. I was the guy that smoked and drank and partied and did drugs. I was, I was popular at that time. When I was kicked out of the Marine Corps, I'm 6'4", 230. And when I was kicked out of the Marine Corps in 1995, I was 6'4 and weighed 128 pounds. I was a meth addict. 
and I couldn't believe that God called me to preach. I was like, dude, are you, you got the wrong house. And he's like, everything that you ever went through and everything anybody's ever told about you does not have to define you anymore. Are you listening to me? Your experiences don't have to define you. What happened to you? You ever notice people, they wear that stuff around like a badge, like they're victims their whole life? You don't have to, that's, that, you, don't, you can let that go. Why? Because literally godliness comes when God reveals beyond what you've, anybody's ever told you, beyond anything you've ever experienced. See, it's a knowledge of the truth. Truth only comes from him. I love that Ben prayed this. Ben comes up to me and goes, you feel led to say anything? I'm like, yeah, let me preach. Go sit down. Because he, he, he already said it. He's saying, what, remember this, Ben, whatever binds you, just release that. Remember, what, how did you say it? Whatever, whatever you bind, whatever, whatever's binding you. Dude, you're a savage. Whatever's binding you. That dude knew about it. He knew, they were, that's, I see these kind of subtleties. People begin to pray about things before I preach it. I'm like, steal my thunder. You can be free tonight. Or you can hold on to it. It's your deal. Do whatever you want to do. But you can be free of it tonight. Of anything. You're like, you don't understand. I was abused. So was I. So was I. Bad. I bet I was worse than you. It doesn't define me. In fact, it's so interesting. I meet people, come up to me, and they go, you were a drug addict? Dude, I'd never, you were in prison. You were in like four or five different, yeah. I would have never guessed that because it doesn't define me. <laughs> That's not who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm not kidding you. When I was I'd saved in 1995, I had warrants for my arrest all throughout California. I left, came to Indiana. I'm like, God, he didn't call me to preach anywhere except for California. I'm going to prison. All that's been expunged. I'm a new. I'm new. <laughs> it's hysterical. A couple years ago, I had an intern that traveled with me for the summer. His mom worked for the CIA. She's like, she has some questions about your past. I was like, I would. <laughs> but I'm different. Would you want to be free tonight? He can do it. Some of you have been bound in pornography. Because you believe the lie that that's what sex after marriage looks like. Did you know that the Greek word for sexual immorality in the scriptures, what's sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is immoral sexual behavior. It's sex that Satan has twisted. The Greek word for sexual immorality is pornonia, which is where we get our word. If you want to know what ungodly sex looks like, Ex exploitation sex looks like that destroys go watch porn and what's so sad is I see young men and now young women who watch that and they get married and they think that's what it looks like and then they end up exploiting each other and they end up in divorce and it's all selfishness and it's you can be freed from that see the problem I'll give you one more quick one I was talking with this young man so this, I was at this camp and this young boy, could you imagine this? He goes to the teen service, leaves his phone. His mom finds it on his phone. 
She comes down. To, it was so embarrassing. For, I, I felt terrible for the kid. He comes down in service. She comes down in service, grabs him, just whack, slapping him on the head, you know, takes him out of the service. I go up to him, and he's like mortified. We go pray about it and all that. He confesses. She takes the phone. Everybody's crying like it's over. It's not over. Because unless he's transformed by the renewing of his mind, he's been exposed to that's what sexuality looks like. Unless he's transformed, that's how he's going to expect his wife to act. That's what he's going to expect. He's been twisted. What is that? He's received information. That's not what intimacy looks like. Some people mess around. They, this is what it's going to, we're going to get married anyway. Dude, you're so broken. That's not what it looks like. What does it look like? Get to know him. Get to know him. He wants to reveal you truth that's beyond this. Uh, Aaron's going to come, and we're going to worship. And uh, it's, man, I want you to be different. I don't want you to just... See, we come to these camps and we nail stuff. I say, I've seen people nail stuff to crosses. They make all these kind of commitments. We're going to do it. We're going to be different. We're going to get psyched up. We're going to go home. No, you're not. It's going to last for about two weeks. Think about ever. This is a real quick one. Be a testimony to those around you. Who's ever came to camp, said, I'm going to be different, go home and go right back to the stuff you did before? Who's done that? That's because it's not built off of what you do. It's not built off of your experiences or information. Would you be willing to say, Jesus, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of, I'm tired of, I'm tired of saying I'm never again. I'm, I'm just tired of that. I want to be free. You can be free. Let me pray for you. Let's fix the lights. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord... In the name of Jesus, Father, there's only truth in your kingdom. John the Baptist came. Father, this I'm saying this for me. I'm not praying myself into faith. I'm declaring to the heavens. John the Baptist came and said, the kingdom of heaven is near. No one had ever heard that before. And then it appeared in a man named Jesus. Father, wherever you are, the kingdom is. And in the kingdom, in your presence, in your throne room, there is no sickness. There is no disease. <laughs> there is no perversion. There's no lies. It's just truth. Father, I'm living in your kingdom. I'm living in your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray in accordance with my Father, let thy kingdom come tonight. Let thy will be done. Father, we release your transforming kingdom in this room. We've dedicated the ground, the chairs, the students, our very lives. Come, Holy Spirit, let your kingdom come. Father, as the students begin to get up out of their seat, begin to respond it's the act of standing up it's the it's the it's the I come into agreement with you Jesus I'm tired of carrying this around 
in the name of Jesus bring eternal freedom. Bring eternal change in the name of Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This is your, this is your moment. Anybody want to get in on this? Hey, you want to be different? You want to be done with the promises? If you feel him speaking to you, if you want that, this is the time. You can get out of your seat and come. Would you like to come? Come on, would you like to come and seek with us? You want to come and pray? You can. Remember, all the things, all the information you've heard, dude, he wants to give you new truth. All the experiences you've had, he wants to give you a new experience. It's above it. It's above it. He wants to give you truth that's just above anything you've ever. As we're praying, I want want to pray with you just really quick at the start. Jesus, and you could just say this to yourself. Even if you're seated, I think you need to respond. But even if you're seated or if you're at the altar, okay, pray this with me. Jesus, I come into agreement with your plan for my life in the name of Jesus. Say it. I come into agreement with your plan for my life in the name of Jesus. I come into agreement for your plan for my life in the name of Jesus. I come into agreement with how you see me. I want to see myself the way you see me. I want to value myself the way you value me. I want to get my self-esteem, Jesus, based off of how you feel about me. In the name of Jesus, I want to know you. I come into agreement with knowing you. I want to know your mind. I want to know your heart. I want to be filled with your presence in the name of Jesus. I want to be sanctified holy. I want to be set free. Do it in the name of Jesus. Pray that with me. I want to be sanctified in the name of Jesus. You don't have to know what it means. I want to be sanctified in the name of Jesus. I want to be, I want my heart to be cleansed. I want the God of the universe to move into my life, and I want him to transform me from the inside out. I don't want to just do different things so I get to go to heaven. I want to be a different person. I want to be who you want me to be. Listen, some of you are really wrestling with that, and it wars against you, but I really want this. You understand, that's what sin is. All sin is, is I want this instead of what you want, Jesus. The reason you go back to what you're doing is because you want that. Here's what you pray. Jesus, I don't want to want that anymore. I want to want you over that. Whatever it is. I want to want you. I give you permission to do, get get aggressive with this. I give you permission to do anything in my life. In the name of Jesus, I give you permission to do anything you need to do. So I want what you want. Would you pray that with me? Jesus, I give you permission to do anything in my life that you want until I want what you want. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of the students tonight and the counselors. I thank you that you've revealed truth that's beyond information, beyond the information, all the things people have said about me. You reveal about me, you reveal truth to me that's above that. It's true. What people say about me is well, that's facts. Jeremiah's done this, Jeremiah did that, Jeremiah, and I did. But it's not who I am. Because I'm different. 
again, I love you, Jesus. We thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for revealing truth even while you're preaching. Just sometimes the way you say it, Lord, is so good. I thank you for these teens. I thank you for the opportunity we have. I, play we, I just pray we have a blast. I pray you keep us safe.